This is day 227 of our daily Bible reading. We are going to read 2 Timothy today, chapters 1 through 4. Lord Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word this morning, please show us how to be a proper soldier of Jesus Christ. That is what 2 Timothy is overall about. And Lord, we need that so much. We need the discipline, we need the weapons of warfare in our hands, and we need to know how to use them. But most importantly, Lord, we want to use them. And that's where many of us struggle. Lord, show us the better way, the your way, the way that is beyond our ways and so far beyond our thoughts. Please bless the reading of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Figulus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me 
as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and to some, honor, and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, 
boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just like Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Jonas's and Jambres's folly was also. Now, you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing.
make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, also Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Congratulations on completing 2 Timothy. As I said at the very beginning of the podcast episode today, I like to title 2 Timothy, How to Be a Soldier of Christ. And that's really what this is about, if you were to look at it as an overarching theme. Now, a lot of it was also personally to Timothy himself. And this is precious to us because we know the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, but also recognizing that this is his last epistle that he ever wrote before he was executed, is quite special. So this is near the end of Paul's life, while he is in his second imprisonment in Rome. We don't really know how he got there, but we do know that he was imprisoned a second time before he was beheaded. So let's look at a few different things today. Beginning in chapter 1, we see the usual greetings that he does, as well as the usual opening where he mentions how he prays for them. And again, this is at the forefront of his conversation. So we know that this is genuine, as well as this is something that should be defining us as well. Are we people of prayer? We need to be people of prayer, and not for ourselves, but for others. Prayer is not just a laundry list of requests to God. It is to pray for the welfare of others, as well as the furtherance of the gospel. That's what it should be about. He gives a lot of instructions in here of how to properly live, and I'm not going to go through every single one, but there's a lot of important aspects of how we lead, how we live by faith, and how we appear to the world around us. Why can we do all this? Because in verse 7 it says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, but 
of power and love and discipline. God didn't save us to be cowards. If we trust in the power of God, there is nothing that we cannot do if it is his will. And especially if it's to further his kingdom, you can expect to have the boldness of God in you. It's not a guarantee because it requires you to participate. But if God wanted to override you at any time, he could. But he wants you to willingly cooperate in his ministry. And when you do that, you will be amazed where the courage comes from. Because you have a wellspring of power living within you through the Holy Spirit. We need to use it. Use the tools that he's given us to fulfill his ministry. Why? Because it says in verse 9 that he has saved us and he's called us with a holy calling. And it's not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. It doesn't say anything else after that, but from all eternity past. Since before he created anything, he had a plan for you, and he knew he was going to save you. So that's very interesting. So we need to testify. We need to share the gospel. We need to make sure that we light this world up with the light of the world. And we should not be, verse 12, where... We are ashamed, because Paul makes it very clear that he is not ashamed. Because why? He has confidence in whom he believes. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced or persuaded that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We know that God is good on his promises. He's good for it. And we know that the Holy Spirit was given to us as a pledge. So, of course, God is going to see it through to the end. You think at the very end he's going to abandon you after taking you this far? He's never going to leave you. He's promised that. We need to trust him in that. The second half of the chapter is a call to being faithful. Just like he says in verse 14, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. What is that treasure again? It's the gospel. Do not allow the gospel to be tainted or silent. Those things cannot happen. We need to make sure this world knows where we stand, and they need to hear the gospel. That is where their salvation comes from. Chapter 2 is overall building up the character of a soldier of Christ. What Paul is going to describe are many characteristics and attributes that define what we should be looking like. So beginning in verse 1, he says that we should be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in God's power. Remember that you don't have any on your own. God gives you what is needed. Suffer hardship with me, he says in verse 3, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And then what he describes here in verse 4 is that A soldier is not worrying about what's going on in civilian life. But what he is concerned about is what his commanding officer has told him to do, as well as the mission. He has a mission, and he is to fulfill that mission at all cost. So, are we spending a majority of our time thinking about what God wants and not what we want? I know that in this world that's hard to do sometimes because of the busyness of life especially if you have a family and kids. But 
That's not an excuse. We're still supposed to do it. Verse 11 is a very sobering thing. It says that if we died in him, we will also live in him. So if we have died to ourself, which is through salvation, and we live for Christ, then we will see it through to the end. And if we endure, we will also reign with him. So we're not only going to be heirs of the kingdom, but we will also reign with him. We will have some sort of authority and presence in the kingdom. That's very interesting. Here's a scary one. If we deny him, he also will deny us. It's like what he said when he walked the earth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That Lord, Lord, demonstrating some kind of an intimacy, or like you claim to know him, but you really don't know him. So there are going to be those that fit very well into the church. They look like they belong there, but they really don't have salvation. So those are the people that he's talking about here. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Amen, right? It's so good to know that even though we will fail often, and we will not always be where we need to be, the Lord is always faithful, and he waits for us, or he brings us to where he is. Praise God for that, because we are so weak on our own. Verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. So there's two things to note here. One is, are we living in shame? Why would we live in shame if we're doing what God wants us to do? We wouldn't. So that means that there's something else we are doing that we're not supposed to be doing, and we know it. Those are the things we need to address in our lives, and I think the church at large has trouble with that one. We have Jesus and, right? Not necessarily in the arena of what is needed for salvation, but where your allegiance lies, being double-minded, which we're going to get into in the book of James. And this is a big one for me, the second half of this. Accurately handling the word of truth. Don't even try to talk about God unless you're going to say exactly what the Bible says. Otherwise, that is blasphemy and that's misrepresenting God. So be very careful with that. That's an important responsibility we need to carry with us. Verse 16, equally as important, avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Avoid this garbage that's in the world, all the gossip, all the news, all the stuff that is just filling our head with nonsense. Get off of Facebook. Get off of TikTok. All that stuff is just going to poison your mind. Stop watching those nasty shows. If you're listening, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Fill your head with good things. Fill your head with godly things. Because what you invest in is going to define how you see things. If you invest in good things, then goodness is going to come out of you. If you invest in sinful things, then you will be more prone to sin. That's simply the nature of things. So we need to do that. And stop gossiping about people. 
Don't talk about them behind their backs. You have something to say to them, say it to their face. This one can be a little tricky in the workplace. It took me some time to figure out how to properly do this one because as a person of leadership, there's a difference between discussing a problem about an employee versus gossiping about them. And the difference is that for one, you use facts rather than opinions and speculations. But secondly is what is the purpose of that conversation? Are you there to tear them down or are you trying to solve a problem? So if you're just there to talk trash about them and they have no way to defend themselves because they're not there, that's gossip. But if you're trying to be constructive in how to fix a problem with an employee, which they're either employees with a problem or they are a problem employee, there is a very big difference. That is the dividing line between gossip and constructive feedback. So be very careful not to be a gossip, especially, and this can be tricky too, if you are friends with people at church. That is probably the worst kind of gossip you can do. Having friends at church, especially those that might have some form of influence, and then you're talking bad about fellow members of the church. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Because all it's going to do is create bitterness and resentment, and it's going to pour over into your facial expressions, into your disposition with these people, and then you're going to want to avoid them, and it's just not going to go well. So don't do it. If you have something against someone, you need to address it. That is the godly thing to do. The second half of chapter 2 calls us to be sanctified, to be as holy as possible. So that's why it says that in a large house there's different kinds of vessels, but he wants us to be vessels of honor. And we already are as a base because of what Christ has done for us. But we need to do the right thing to purify ourselves even further. Like verse 22, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. What does that mean? You need to be in community with people that are like-minded in this way. You don't want to be unequally yoked, as the Bible says. You don't want to be in a toxic relationship. Not necessarily in a romantic relationship, but even in friendships. Toxic friendships. You want to stay away from those. Then he gives us more ways of how to be a servant, like being able to teach, be patient when wronged, allowing God the opportunity to cause repentance in these people. Because if you correct them with gentleness, rather than just yelling at them or excommunicating them or just ghosting them, whatever you want to call it these days, you need to do it with a loving fashion. And God can use that as a means to cause repentance in their heart. And that's what we want. We don't want to lose people in our midst unless they will not repent. But that is what we desire, is to have people repent so that we can all work together for the same common purpose. Chapter 3 talks about warnings for us as soldiers. What kind of dangers and hazards are in this job? And there are quite a few, right? We see that in the last days, difficult times will come, and you're already starting to see it. There are a lot of these descriptions here of 
people that are currently in the news all the time, people in media all the time, can be described as you would see in verses 2 through 4. And the worst kind are the ones that hold a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. These are the ones that appear to be loving and Christian, but they're not. We need to avoid people like that. In verse 8, it mentions two names here, Janus and Jambres. If you don't know who they are, these are attributed to be the names of the magicians that combated Moses before the Israelites got removed from Egypt. So if you wanted to know the names of the magicians who threw their staff down to turn them into snakes, who were also able to make water into blood, that's their names. We don't see this anywhere else except here, which is very interesting. It doesn't mention them in the Old Testament by their name, but I guess this is Jewish tradition. So at this point, if the Bible says it, then it must be true. The people today are being likened to them people who are of depraved mind, and they reject faith. And again, even though the world is full of apostasy, like we're seeing here, we are not defenseless, right? We do have the armor of God, which we've described before, but we also have other means to combat it. We have the Lord, first of all. We need to remember that if we are doing God's will, like it says in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is an important statement. Those who want to live godly in general is what you would name your average Christian, I suppose. But those who want to live godly in Christ Jesus, those will be persecuted. So don't be surprised when it comes. It will come if you're doing your job as a Christian. The thing you should be more scared about is if it's not coming. There will be seasons of trials. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of a trial. Sometimes you'll be coming out of one. Sometimes you'll be coming into one. But in between, there may be a period of peace. But if you are not being challenged in any way like this, there's something to really be considering. Either you're not saved at all, or you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're living in some sort of sin. Only you know that. But that's between you and God. So he tells us two things here in order to help keep ourselves strong and steadfast in the light of these trials. For one, he says, to hold fast to the things that you have learned. What the Bible has taught you, hold fast to those and do not compromise them. But then secondly is, maybe you don't even know what to combat with. That's why we need Scripture. Why do we need Scripture? Verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God. In the literal Greek, it means all Scripture is God-breathed. It is breathed out by God. Therefore, it is power, it is life, it is authority. That same power that created all things is in the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God. And it is profitable for different things. It is profitable for teaching someone, right? For reproof, right? For correction, and for training in righteousness. And only through the Word of God can we be made adequate 
That's an important word to understand here. If we are adequate, that means that we are fully equipped. We are satisfactory. We have everything we need in order to do the job. Chapter 4 is his final instructions to Timothy, as well as all the hellos and goodbyes that he's going to give. But he gives also his final commands, as if he were the commanding officer of Timothy, the soldier. These are your final orders, soldier. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Don't get lazy. Don't get relaxed. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Isn't that true? That's what I hear about prosperity gospel. That's what I hear about name it and claim it. That's what I hear about the transgender God. You hear all this nasty stuff that is perversion in the church. People genuinely don't go to church because they want to worship God. A lot of times they go to please themselves. I kid you not, even in my own church yesterday, my wife showed me a post that someone put where they tagged our church and he says, I'm here for the entertainment. Now, I don't know if he literally means that as I'm here to be entertained, but that is what describes a lot of people. And people have addressed this with me before because, well, I don't like this guy in the church. Well, I don't like the music. It's old fashioned. Well, no, we don't sing the old school hymns. And so I don't want to go to this church. I don't like the voice of the pastor. He's got kind of a whiny voice, whatever it may be. And ultimately, I may agree with some of that, but why am I there? Am I there because I want to be entertained? No, I'm there because I am to worship God. Church is to worship God. It is not for you to be entertained. It is not a social hour. It is for you to worship God. It is not for the sinner. It is for the saint. For the saint to give glory to God. That's what it's for. If you're doing anything else, then you're doing it wrong. In verse 6, we see Paul sharing that he knows he's near the end of his life. He can tell. And he says he's already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. But he has no regrets. We know this about Paul because he gave it his all. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That should be our statement when we're ready to go. I don't want to leave this world with any regrets. I want to be able to go into God's kingdom knowing I did everything possible to fulfill my purpose on earth. We all have one. Only God can show you what it is. And that should be the aim. We don't want to be people living in regret, knowing that we could have done more. Or knowing the right thing to do and not doing it, because that's sin. Let's not be people of regret. Let's be people who know exactly what we're supposed to do, and then we do it. Imagine how immense the blessings from God that would be. What are we waiting for? Let's go out and do it. 
Let's fight the good fight and finish the race. We don't know how long our race is, but we still need to continually fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Don't get discouraged. Don't deviate from the path. Stay strong in the Lord. And what will happen? It says in verse 8 that Paul is going to receive a crown of righteousness, and all who love his appearing will get one too. Now, we don't know if this is a literal crown, or if this is just symbolic of some kind of a treasure in heaven, but this is beautiful. We will receive a crown of righteousness if we love his appearing. We're looking forward to his appearing. The second half of chapter 4 is actually kind of sad to me, because he explains some of the good friends that he has, but he also describes some of the people who've abandoned him, and it's really sad. The only one that stuck with him this whole time was Luke. God bless him. And also, they went to go get Mark, and this is the same Mark who wrote the book of Mark. And you also see some personal requests as well, like in verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak. I'm in a dungeon cell, and it's freezing down here. Please bring my cloak so I can stay warm. Bring some books, especially the parchments, which I assume the parchments would be either the Word of God or something that he can study. And imagine that. You're stuck in prison, and you want to study. That's amazing. And finally, he finishes his last goodbyes, and he reminds Timothy that the Lord will rescue him as well as anybody out of all trouble if they are doing God's will, because God will be with them. And with that, we have finished the book of 2 Timothy. And tomorrow we will go into Titus and Philemon. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.